All right, what if there was someone who wanted to help you find a job? Choose Express Employment Professionals, and that is exactly what you're going to get. They can help you find work in any industry. With just one interview at Express, you have a connection to endless jobs. Whether you want a contract job, a new full-time role, or a summer job, choose Express Employment Professionals. Express has more than 860 locally owned locations and no fees for job seekers. Visit ExpressPros.com today to find a location near you. Summer is upon us, and whatever you have going on, a vacation, a staycation, a summer wedding, well, Macy's has you covered. If you need summer dresses, matching sets, volume sleeve tops, wedges, straw-crafted bags, I mean, really, they have what you need head to toe. I'm talking Levi's, Dolce Vita, Lacoste, and more. So shop summer must-haves at Macy's. Go to Macy's.com slash style. Again, that's Macy's.com slash ownyourstyle. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. That peace of mind means so, so much for these families. So join me in helping St. Jude in this fight. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. Life ain't always pretty, but hey, it's pretty beautiful, thing. Laugh a little more, thing. Tight, tighten up your core, thing. Said EK, you're kicking it with four things. With Amy Brown. Happy Thursday, Amy here. And my guest today is my friend, Laura Lee Bryant, a certified chef and published cookbook author who has been on before. So happy to have you back. Thank you. And you're also now a health and well-being consultant that is very passionate about helping people, especially women, navigate grief and, you know, deal with symptoms of heartache holistically. So I want to start with that. Why is something like this now a part of your expertise? You know, I feel like the biggest initial aha that I had was after my divorce about five years ago. I'd been a holistic chef for five years and I was working on my second book, but it was the first time where I realized that I couldn't separate my personal and my professional life anymore because all of these things that I had been telling people to do, ways to eat, what I thought of as healthy, I realistically didn't have the energy for it, the appetite for it, just the emotional and physical bandwidth to do all of these things. And so I felt like a bit of an imposter. And I kept that really private for a few years, but I really didn't take care of myself after my divorce. Like I ate really, I say badly in sort of quotes that there's not a moral assignment to it. I ate in a way that was not serving my healing. It was exacerbating my stress, exacerbating my cravings, um, just making my whole physiological healing process more difficult, what was happening in my body, which makes your emotional healing process more difficult. So I kind of kept that to myself. And then I got into another relationship and that one was really, really difficult. And getting out of it was, I would say, even more emotionally taxing on me. 
than the divorce. Wow. Yeah. Um, and it's so crazy too, because this is just such a reminder of Instagram versus reality. Because I thought you were living your best life with this new guy. And obviously we don't share all the details of a relationship when it's involving another person and their privacy. So with your divorce and this other breakup, I was pretty shocked. I'm sure others were shocked, but that just goes to show we can't know how people are really doing based on Instagram. Yeah. No, I, I definitely still try to be very protective of everyone that I've been in a relationship with and that feels appropriate, but there's no question that there was so much going on behind the scenes that I didn't share about. And ultimately, you know, both relationships didn't work, but I think with my marriage, I don't want to speak for him. I think ultimately it was very mutual and we both saw the the reasons for us to move on with our lives. Whereas I think with this subsequent relationship, I think the emotion was still really high. And I think sometimes it's harder to get out of a relationship when you just know it's it's not right, it's not working for whatever reason, but your emotions are still deeply entrenched in the other person. Those can be some of the hardest splits. And so I was not in a good place emotionally, but I decided not to do what I had done before, which is this very sort of extreme approach of throwing everything out the door that was remotely nourishing and instead go back to what, you know, what I did post-divorce, wine, ice cream, fast food, all these things. And I was doing this quietly. And so I knew I needed a better way to take care of myself. And so I, I kind of set everything I knew about wellness aside and instead have spent the last couple of years researching the science of what is happening physiologically with stress in our body. Grief of heartache is very similar to grief of losing somebody. And that I think is so important for people to understand because we are living in a culture where there's this term called disenfranchised grief, which is grief that our culture doesn't recognize the way that it recognizes traditional losses like an immediate family member. That can be relationship loss. That can be job loss. Pet loss is a form of disenfranchised grief. And so you're kind of left trying to put the pieces of your life back together, but you're ashamed. There's a shame element of it because you're, you're sort of like, it's not supposed to be that bad. But the truth is what's happening actually in your brain and your heart and your nervous system and your body is really similar in those instances. And it's a major deal and it affects everything. And so I did all this research. I also did have an amazing relationship coach who introduced me to some of the mindset tools that I now use. But the piece of it that I kind of created for myself was this wellness protocol that is an inside out approach that's specifically for someone whose brain and nervous system and digestive system is, you know, in a state of fight or flight, essentially. And then how that trajectory changes as we move through the different stages of grief. And so I've, I redid my business to help people with this because, you know, we can't just hold people to some lofty health standard while ignoring what's actually going on with them. And it just makes people feel like terrible about themselves, you know, when they can't quote be healthy, but it's because they're going through something really, really major that's changing them. Healing can get overwhelming and we don't know the next right step to make it to the other side. So I love that you're a resource for people to get clarity and direction during grief and heartache. I'm thinking about when my mom died, I had zero tools, zero direction, zero control. And my eating disorder is something that returned immediately to help me numb out. And I spiraled. I did not take care of myself at all. And it showed. Like, 
I can look back at pictures and I had so much inflammation in my face and my body. And then seven years later, when my dad died, it was during a season when I was already doing a lot of therapy and a lot of work on myself. So I had tools and guidance and that stuff allowed me to process in a way that was less taxing on my body. Like I was still hurting the same, but I didn't put myself through additional anguish causing my my body to freak out and get super inflamed like it did when my mom died. It's so interesting that you say that because so the the protocol that I use with my one-on-one clients is called the anti-inflammatory heartache protocol. And I say that because it is sort of chronic inflammation as we know it that we can use turmeric to combat, but it's also this state of mental and emotional inflammation. So that's a really good analogy that you described a lot of people feel on fire in grief, especially before or after they go through a period of numbness or sometimes that initially, or that comes later on. But it is this feeling of this of being on fire and needing to quell that. And I think it's amazing that you were able to cultivate this toolbox because it's true that we can't eliminate the pain that comes from the natural progression and trajectory of grief. And we shouldn't try to, we have to go through that pain but we can eliminate a lot of the suffering. And that's that's my job. And that's what you did for yourself in a lot of ways was say- But I didn't oh. do it alone. But and yes, yeah. I mean, and we do need help. We need all sorts of help. You know, there's, there's a lot of different ways that you can get that support. But whoever it is that's helping you, if they're doing a good job, <laughs> then they are helping eliminate- this suffering, all of this like extraneous stuff that you're dealing with, whether that's the negative self-critical thoughts or um, food choices that may not be uh, serving you. And that could be eating almost sort of quote too healthily. Actually, there are things that we can do that can really exacerbate the grief process by trying to go about having the raw kale salad every day that really isn't sitting with us anymore. So the goal is to eliminate the suffering so that we can clear a path for the natural pain and the pain is what's manageable. It's not fun. It hurts, but we are, we are designed to handle pain, not as much suffering. What about times that we just don't have an appetite? Because obviously not eating is also not good for us. It's tricky. And I created a range of products on my website and one specifically that's just 50. It's called my non-recipe recipes ebook because it's literally for when you're in grief and just nothing sounds good because we do need to nourish ourselves. It's a fine line of nourishing yourself, but also listening to the fact that your body right now is using a lot of its energy and blood flow for things other than digestion. So it's telling you that it doesn't really have a lot of capacity to do some major digesting right now. So you want to listen to that and honor that as well. So what I like to recommend to people is to focus on liquids that are nutrient rich. So coconut water is a great way to to get electrolytes. And also when you're crying, you're losing electrolytes. So keeping coconut water to hydrate and replenish some of that can be really great. Keeping bone broth around, like a really good quality bone broth, and you can stir some, some eggs into it. I do like an egg drop soup basically with a little bit of miso paste. And that's a really nourishing way to basically get some, some protein and you're make, making a miso soup and getting that good gelatin that's in the bone broth. Lots of healing benefits to that. And then smoothies are going to be your best friend because they are going to go down easily. You can pack some healthy fats, some healthy protein, and some fiber into them. And just keep that really simple with a protein powder. I would not do away protein powder because that can tend to be hard on digestion unless it's super, super great quality, like a grass-fed whey. 
but a scoop of almond butter or peanut butter, a scoop of protein powder, maybe a handful of baby spinach and some milk and a banana and just keep that. And then this is a good time to invest in really high quality local bread and butter and salt. I mean, I know that sounds so, so simple, but we we rail against ourselves. We fight our instinct to eat really simply, almost in a childlike way when we're grieving but it's a phase. It's a, it's a stage of grief and we will slowly begin to be able to digest the beans and the, you know, the vegetables and all those things again, but initially keeping really nourishing nutrient dense liquids around and then some like really good quality sourdough with some grass fed butter and salt and that kind of thing can get you through for a while. I say this with the caveat, everyone's needs are different. I would definitely, if you're not sure, I would work with a dietitian or um, someone who specializes in making sure that you're getting everything that you need. But I'm just speaking to food ideas that can tend to go down easily and provide some nutrients when you're going through a tough time. I had never thought about how your body's so busy doing other things in the grief process that breaking down food is like, okay, I don't have time for that right Right. now and to be gentle with it. Because I just would think, okay, I just need to eat right now. So fine, I'll get a burger and fries, which, okay, I I don't have restriction. But then at the same time, I'm not serving my body well because it's going to have to do a lot of work to break that down. You'll probably know pretty quickly from your digestive distress that that was not the right fit. And that may not even be because it was fast food, but could be that, yeah, that's just a lot of energy to go into digestion. I mean, when we when we split from a person who was our our primary source of relating and our attachment, that is a trauma. It's a trauma on your your body. Your body responds in that way. Not for everybody. I mean, it depends on the degree how long you were together, how attached you were to that person, but it can be. And so when we go into that state of fight or flight, we go from this relaxed, rest and digest parasympathetic to fight or flight sympathetic nervous system. The last thing that your body is doing is is concerned about doing is, you know, digesting a big heavy meal when it thinks that you need to go like fight for your life. You know, if you feel like you're fighting for your life, that's kind of what's happening. Your world is upside down. I heard a really interesting analogy from a therapist who specializes in attachment saying that when you go through a a divorce or heartbreak, it's almost like you're having, having to reverse your blood flow. That's how unnatural it feels when you've been with someone for so long and they are your person for everything. And then they're ripped out of your life or you choose for them to leave your life. It is a massive overhaul in the entire way that you see the world, the entire way you relate to yourself and to others. And it can feel like reversing your blood flow. Like that's how hard it can be on people. So we we need to honor that and all that comes with that. So even if it's, you know, it's the right thing for you, it's your, your choice or it's a type of grief. Some grief we can't control or choose, but others, it might be like, okay, I know this is the right move to me, but your body might still be reacting mm-hmm. in a certain way. So just be gentle with yourself. Yeah. There's a lot and of pay science. attention. Mm-hmm. Totally. I mean, there's a lot of science. There's a woman named Helen Fisher who has uh, her PhD in this, and she talks about romantic rejection and what happens in the stages of romantic rejection. And I kind of combine that with the stages of traditional grief to come up with the protocol that I use for my clients. So it's all science backed but you can experience this physiological rejection even if you were the one leaving the person because you may have been using your logical brain to end the relationship, but it doesn't actually mean you wanted it. It's definitely super complex and ways that our bodies, our brain 
takes care of us, that all the things it's doing that we don't even realize that it's doing to make sure that we're safe. Yeah, exactly. And we're okay. This is seems to be mind, body, spirit, like a, a focus on that, or I'm seeing that we're nourishing those different things. Are there any other components besides food that you would recommend to people that are helpful in this process? All right, I want to tell you about something really awesome that Macy's is doing. It is currently Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, online and in-store. For the entire month of May, you can join Macy's in supporting AAPI-owned fashion brands. Plus, you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or simply round up in-store to APIA scholars. Now, APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. And Macy's has made it super easy. You can just round up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support APIA Scholars, which is an educational nonprofit. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. Again, that's Macy's.com. You're going to be doing some shopping anyway. Why not round up and give back? That's Macy's.com or in-store. All right, so I've been saving on shopping this year by only buying new clothes when I've sold some clothes that I no longer wear. And what this has done is it's forced me to be super wise when I'm adding clothes back into my closet. I want to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and that's where Quince comes into play. You can go see for yourself all the awesome stuff they have, especially for summer right now, like European linen dresses and blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, 14-karat gold jewelry, so much more. And if you're like me, you're like, hmm, this just seems too good to be true. Well, what Quince does is they partner directly with top factories, and they cut out the cost of the middleman, and they pass the savings on to us So we are getting things for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. For example, I'm literally looking on their website right now at this open knit cover-up maxi dress that'll be great for the summer, 100% organic cotton, and it's $49.90. It could retail for $148, so that's 66% savings. And with warm weather here, you need to check out Quince. All you got to do is go to quince.com slash Amy for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Amy. You're going to get free shipping. Again, 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash Amy. I don't want to waste my time taking vitamins that aren't really going to do much for me. Like I want research. I want to know like, hey, this is actually doing something for my body. And Ritual knows this. That's why they conducted the research. They've done clinical trials on their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin. The results, well, it increased vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. And as a woman, I want healthy vitamin D levels and omega-3 levels. And all I got to do is take my Ritual Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin every morning. I take them on an empty stomach, but sometimes if I forget, I may take them in the afternoon. It's really up to you when you want to take them. There's nine key nutrients in two delayed release capsules. And what the delay release capsules does for us is it optimizes our body's absorption 
of these nutrients. It's gentle on the empty stomach. Like I said, I can take it first thing in the morning and I'm totally fine. And with a minty essence in every bottle, it actually makes taking your vitamins enjoyable. No more shady business. Ritual is essential for women. 18 plus is a multivitamin that you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash four things. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash four things for 25% off. Are there any other components besides food that you would recommend to people that are helpful in this process? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one thing I do want to say is Anyone that I work with, I always recommend they work with a ther- They have to have a therapist as well. So I won't work with somebody unless they're working with a licensed counselor or at least have access to a licensed counselor because that's not, that's a, that's a totally different skill set and wheelhouse. And I absolutely think if you're really struggling, you should have a licensed counselor and you can, you know, there are better help talk space. I mean, there's ways, insurance ways to make that affordable, but aside from food, and making sure that if you think you need that support, getting that kind of support, changing the way we move our body is something we really have to think about. You know, it's so natural, especially when we are in pain to want to like run it off, run off all that energy, that, that heart on fire feeling, brain on fire feeling that you're talking about inflamed. It's like, we just want to go and sweat it out. Or sometimes we want to push our bodies further than they want to be pushed. We have to remember our bodies are really delicate and fragile and sensitive during this time. So really remembering that, We want to evaluate what our healthy living lifestyle was or our routines and practices and ask ourselves, is that really the best thing for me? I find that especially in the initial stages of grief, for most people, I would recommend switching to something calm like walking, yoga, maybe some hiking, Pilates, rather than, you know, the F45, Barry's boot camps, that type of thing, or even just running on the treadmill. There's a time and place for those, but I personally wouldn't recommend them just because we are under a lot of stress. And those are forms of stress. We want to do nourishing movement that isn't um, additional stress on our body. Makes me think of forest bathing and being intentional about being out in nature. And you and I are actually going to be taking a hike together after we record. And I'm really looking forward to us being outside with the trees, by the lake, with the birds and all the things that are going to be really calming for us. And, you know, another thing that I did when my mom died was 90 minutes of hot yoga. Sometimes twice a day, I was pushing my body so hard. And during a lot of grief that I've been going through the last two years, I'm so thankful that I've learned to listen to what my body needs mentally and physically. The time that I actually carve out for movement looks so different each day. And On some days, that might mean sitting and doing breath work because that's what's going to serve me better. I'm so glad you said that because, yes, first of all, we should all be our own health guru. I mean, I think we should have a therapeutic team in some capacity when we're going through something difficult. But for you to be able to check in and recognize on a day-to-day basis what you need is really important. And I think, understandably, there is probably a lot of very smart, very type A listeners who like a routine, want it to be the same every day, but for better and worse, that is not realistic when we're going through something where you can go through all five stages of grief in one hour. You know, you can be numb, you can be in shock, you can be angry, you can feel moments of acceptance, all of that. I mean, that can happen in throughout the course of the day or even in a shorter period of time. So we do need to be constantly checking in. And the nature component is so powerful. You know, client I'm working with, she is surrounded by snow right now. 
And it is really hard, but I definitely encourage her to get outside a little bit as much as possible because that fresh air and nature is really healing. Part of the reason that I think it's so healing is because, well, one, it can help with our circadian rhythm, getting that light exposure when sleep can be difficult. Especially first thing in the morning. Yeah. Sunlight, like if you can get outside, or at least that's the studies I've seen, is when you wake up, you get outside, get some natural light, and that will help with your melatonin production throughout the day. Yes, totally. I think flinging, you know, if you can step outside or just get the curtains open and get your eyeballs staring at the sun early in the morning, first thing, that is so fantastic. And, you know, the other thing is there is a lot of science about self-compassion versus self-criticism. And one of the tenets for creating a self-compassionate mindset is recognizing your place in the greater scheme of nature and people. It can really help heal to recognize that we are one of something bigger than ourselves, even if for you, that's just nature and seeing yourself in that and feeling that connectedness and realizing that there's so many people going through what you're going through, that self-compassion can actually really help take away some of the acute suffering with it as well. And it's just a nice distraction. So yeah, I mean, the forest bathing is great. If it's wintertime and you're in heartache right now, I would say as much as you can early in the morning, even just for 30 minutes, go outside and, and listen to this. Some of the nature sounds or get the fresh air if you're in the city. Well, animals in nature are one thing, but we are both cat ladies and I have a dog. So how can they play a role? I mean, relying on your pets is a great thing to do in general. I mean, that sounds like a no brainer, but we, when we can experience a lot of depression, whether it's clinical, clinical depression, or it is depression as part of the grief process, we can have a tendency not even to rely on the affection from our pets. You know, we we take care of them and feed them and, and keep them alive, but really let them heal you and cuddle with them and cry into them because they are they're amazing healers. My cat has definitely healed me so many times. She knows she's very intuitive. So whatever that is for you. And if it's bird sounds or if you get a sound machine and maybe ocean sounds speak to you, I mean, keep that on in the background. I think curating a space in your home is a really low cost low hanging fruit. I don't really like that phrase, but for lack of a better word, but I think that is a really important way that you can create a sort of safe and nourishing space for yourself is lighting some candles and putting on an essential oil diffuser and a sound machine with nature sounds, you know, whether that's birds or whatever, and just starting your day like that can be a really, really great way because we also have to remember that we're re- doing our routines, like even that lack of that first good morning text that we've been used to for years can be gutting for people. So instead of keeping everything in your room and your routine the same and knowing that you're going to have to wake up without that one thing that you've had, which is that wake up text, instead say, you know what, I'm going to move my bed to the other wall and I'm going to set up this really like lovely sort of spa-like experience in my room. And so you have something to look forward to, even though something is feels like it's missing. Oh, I love that idea. Yeah. Just switching up the environment. Yeah. Huh. Are you a big bath person? I, I personally am. I know a lot of people are not. But for me, when I am grieving, be, taking baths and having like a treat in the bath is like my nightly routine with some Epsom salts and a candle. Just little ways that you can not only create new routines that have nothing to do with your ex or the person that you lost, but it's also just a way of being in love with yourself and being obsessed with yourself. And that's 
we we need to have this almost hyperbolic love for ourselves when we're going through something because it is so easy to slip into self-blame and shame and criticism, whether that's because you permanently lost someone and there's something you wish you could have said to them, or it's because it was a heartbreak and maybe you know it's the right thing, but you didn't want it. So all of a sudden you're backtracking in your head and being like, maybe I ruined this. Maybe it's my fault. That's such a natural, normal thing to do. And one way that we can sort of an antidote to that can be remembering how wonderful and amazing and worthy we are as women in particular. We have such a tendency to assume other people know better. Other people are right. We are the ones who made the mistakes. We're the apologizers. We, we fawn, which is the tra- a trauma response. You know, there's fight, flight, freeze, and fawn is a trauma response. And that it looks like putting other people's needs before our own always. And this is a time for you to realize that you're just as worthy of all that time and attention that you're putting on your ex and what you, what they're doing and um, what they're thinking. Try to put that on yourself and be like, I'm just as human as they are. Why do they get all that attention from my own brain? I should be getting that attention from my own brain. What about journaling? Do you do journaling? I, th- I think gratitude journaling is really important to do. And I like to do two different kinds of gratitude journaling. So one is just uh, the quick, you know, three to five things. Um, and then a gratitude in advance journaling, which actually my friend Leanne Ellington, who you've had on the podcast, that was her, uh, I think she was the one who taught me about sort of the gratitude in advance journaling. So I think that's a really powerful thing for people to do. And then a lot of this thought work, there is a woman named Pia Melody who wrote a book called Facing Codependence. And she came up with this chart of basically how the things that we think and ultimately create the results in our life. And so one of the things I teach my clients is how to use her model to work backwards from our thoughts. And I do like for them to to write that down. I think that's really powerful. Do you use mantras at all? I feel like something that's been helpful for me or when it comes to certain foods or situations, just knowing like if I look around, I know the facts, like I truly am okay right now. I am safe. I am okay. Like in this moment, it is okay for me to eat this or this is nourishment for me. And just repeating that to myself so that I know that I take care of myself in a way, or I don't know if there's anything you use that you say over and over to yourself or if that's something you recommend people do. Yeah. I mean, I think that that can be a great introduction to meditation as well. So I do think you know, a short meditation in the morning is a fan and in the evening is a fantastic um, element to a healing experience. But then we also have to meet ourselves realistically where we are. And if our thoughts are swirling too much to meditate, that can be a great place to pick a mantra to or two and just repeat the mantra. Um, I have a mantra that is only good can come from this that I say to myself over and over and over again during those meditations when I just can't like clear my head. And I have mantras that I write down and put on my mirror. I think all of that stuff, even though, you know, it sounds a little bit cheesy, if you leave space in your brain, it's probably going to fill it with negative things because it's, that's where our brains are wired, wired for survival. So if we can actually take that space and fill it with positive beliefs and thoughts and become really savvy about what our brain is doing and fill it with those kinds of mantras, it's so, so powerful. When did you start doing meditation? Really, I started doing meditation after the most recent really gnarly breakup. And so my morning routine was to hydrate and then to, uh, I mean, I've been living with my parents recently. So like my life has been upside down because I had to move out, whatever. Logistically, um, I've had to change my routine in the last couple of weeks. But normally what I do is I get up and I hydrate and I meditate with the windows open if it's 
uh, warm enough. And if I can do a mantra or if I can get away with not doing a mantra, then I'll try to just be Zen and be quiet. But sometimes I'll do the mantra. And then I do journaling exercises where I basically take this model and use that for my thought work and then do the gratitude exercises. And I do that every day. And yeah, I mean, it's it's been a game changer. All right, I want to tell you about something really awesome that Macy's is doing. It is currently Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, online and in-store. For the entire month of May, you can join Macy's in supporting AAPI-owned fashion brands. Plus, you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or simply round up in-store to APIA scholars. Now, APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. And Macy's has made it super easy. You can just round up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support APIA Scholars, which is an educational nonprofit. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. Again, that's Macy's.com. You're going to be doing some shopping anyway. Why not round up and give back? That's Macy's.com or in-store. All right, if you want to look cute and feel comfortable at the same time when you're, you know, at a festival or a concert because it's festival and concert season right now, it's got to be all about the boots. And Tacova's boots is where it's at. That is your stop before attending your next concert. I've loved my Tacovas anytime I wear them or I get a new pair. They feel comfortable on the first wear. I don't have to break them in. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. And all Tacovas boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, which is super cool. They've got timeless styles that are always on trend. And really, you just got to stop by your local Tacova store, try them on for yourself, and see what I'm talking about. You can have a complimentary drink while you're there, shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized, which I love. And they've got regular live music and events. There's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about the incredible work being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in hope. When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. What they are doing at St. Jude is making a huge difference. It is full of joy there, which a lot of families need at that time. They don't need to be worrying about travel, lodging, food. Everything is paid for at St. Jude so that families can focus on their child that has cancer. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude. It's only $19 a month. And when you sign up, you'll get the new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. Join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. What would you say to someone that is overwhelmed by adding all of these new little things and practices into their life during an already difficult time? 
firstly, I think so much of this is figuring out what what's realistic for you and meeting yourself where you are and asking what's an improvement for you as you go through this process. But I do actually, I have something called the heartache first aid kit, which literally walks through kind of the main lifestyle changes that I make when I'm going through heartache. And then that other ebook that's food focused, but my cookbook in the spring is going to have a lot of this information as well. And this is what I work with people on. But just to, to simplify for anyone who is listening right now, and feeling very overwhelmed. The first thing I I would actually do when you are going when when something really traumatic has happened, um, whether you've broken up with someone, they've broken up with you, a divorce is happening, grief of someone, whatever has happened, the first thing I would do is get your support system in place. So figure out are you going to be working with a licensed counselor, get family members, someone who you really really trust. Um, you can have. A conversation with and say, hey, can you be available for me to call you at all hours of the night or some hours or can I spend the night? So first get your your emotional support system in place so that you're not alone. And then the next thing I would do is actually logistic. I have people make lists of the things that I want you to have a list of the things that absolutely have to be done every day in order for your family to function properly things that have to be done every week for your family to function properly and every month. So you have your must lists. And then I want you to go through your calendar and clear out everything else. Say no to everything, cancel it. If it doesn't have to be done to take care of you and your family, it doesn't need to be on your calendar. And so you know you have these pieces of paper or this document in front of you on your computer. That's all the stuff I have to do. These are my responsibilities. Once you have that ironed out, because I find even in the worst, worst moments, there's usually five minutes here or there in the day where you have just enough energy to like check some things off the list, you know? And there are some things we just do without energy or motivation, taking care of people, taking care of pets. But once you have your must list, then I would say, yes, pick one to three daily practices that you can do for yourself. Maybe it's starting with a big, you know, cold glass of coconut water with some berries in it. You know, that's something I recommend to people mash some berries into some coconut water and drink that. And then maybe you sit for two minutes and you write one thing you're grateful for. And then you, you know, take a 20 minute walk and that's what you do every day, things like that. And then maybe you take a 30 minute bath at night. See, this sounds doable, but I love that you are proactive about looking at your calendar and making space, which when you're grieving, probably the last thing you want to do is look at your calendar. But if you're still okay, this is go time. You're in survival mode. If you've got kids, if you've got a family, if you have a job and you need to take care of things, then this is sort of one of those things that you have the musts on there. And because you're in survival mode, okay, yeah, if you've got all this dinner with that person or this or that, done, cancel it. Not necessary. Unless it's something that's going to fill you up. If it's a dinner with a friend and it's life-giving and it's going to bring you that joy, then you know, keep that. Yeah. <laughs> but other things, if they're not imperative, then then they go. Totally. There are certainly circumstances where we have to delegate everything in our life to other people. But I would say most of the time we still have to maintain our responsibilities no matter what. And that's really difficult and it's not fun and it's not glamorous. But if you just, you know, put your head down and, and just knock that out right away, clear out space, figure out exactly what you're responsible for. Then you can turn your attention on to nourishing yourself and going through this healing process. What about people that have a hard time asking for help? You know, I'm so glad you said this, Amy, because I was thinking about this earlier. You know, one thing is understanding, getting to know a little bit about how much you are a internal regulator, a self-regulator versus a co-regulator. I know I tend to be a co-regulator and I could, 
my work is to be a better internal self-regulator. There's a little bit of a overlap with attachment styles. You know, someone who maybe has more anxious attachment style and avoidant attachment style. I think all of that needs to be taken with a grain of salt, but it can be a tool to guide you in how to ask for support. So some people don't necessarily need the same level of external support because they are naturally self-soothing a little bit better. And so knowing yourself and knowing what that looks like for you, you may be someone who really knows that you feel best when you've been able to really hash it out with a friend or get a hug from a loved one. You you are probably more of an external regulator, co-regulator. Now you can work on that in time. This is not the time to do that. This is just the time to get what you need. Now, if you're somebody who wants support, but you're uncomfortable asking for it, then I think that's the time to um, just go to the, even if it's just one person that you absolutely trust. You know, most people have one person that they're more comfortable with than others. And you can preface it. I mean, I had to do this a couple of times actually with, and, and you really do have to go out of your comfort zone a little bit, but I had to reach out to friends and family. There were certain people I was totally fine asking for help from, but I really wanted help from other people who I was embarrassed or ashamed to ask them. And what I did was I reached out and I said, can I just ask you really specifically to tell me one thing that you know to be true about me? That's a positive trait that I have. And so I started this text chain with my loved ones and they were just telling me one nice thing that they know about me because I couldn't see it for myself. And I just be- got goosebumps. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I'm picturing texts coming yeah. in and you feeling that affirmation. Yeah, that- I lost it. <laughs> I remember very specifically crying my eyes out, but it was so cathartic, you know, because we do lose ourselves in relationships and in grief and especially when we start to go down the rabbit hole of all the things we think we did wrong and could have done better. And remembering that going to the people who have known you the longest and who see you, not for the things you've accomplished or the things you've done or the things you've, quote, messed up, but the people who you know know you, like who knows you. And childhood friends are great people to ask for that, family members, or there are just those friends that I, what's the best way to describe them? The friends that you know truly, genuinely only want the best for you and want to see you succeed. And unfortunately, that is actually a smaller percentage of people than, um, you know, sometimes, like, I I think that's actually not, not most people. I, I think that's a hard thing to do in our culture is to really, truly be able to lift people up even when we're going through something difficult. But Hopefully you have one person in your life who you know genuinely wants to see you succeed, wants the best for you, and just ask for that one sentence, you know? In 2020, it was a difficult year for everybody. There may have been 2021. Either way, those two years. <laughs> Who's what counting? What are we at? <laughs> but for my birthday, um, my friend Kat gave me a blessings jar where she contacted different people, even that she didn't know well that in my life and said, Hey, can you just write a quick, you know, how is Amy a blessing? And I have it in my closet. I haven't dug into it in a while, but it's there. You know. So if I ever need to, I can go open it up and pull out one of the pieces of paper and open it up. And it's going to be from someone that shared something positive that I can use to remind myself. And that's just a cool gift idea too, for anybody listening that, you know, if you have a friend or a loved one and their birthday's coming up or, you know, they're going through something, you could maybe put together a little blessings jar for them. That's a great idea. And it can feel so uncomfortable to 
refer back to it. But like you said, even just knowing it's there is really healing in, in, in its own right. And just the practice of going out of your comfort zone when you are struggling is healing in and of itself. Uh, it's a win-win. So I'm so glad you have that. Yeah. That with the idea. resistance. Yeah. We, yeah. This is, this is the time you get to grow. And that's the, the what does this make possible moment from, from grief is that allows you to dig deeper and come out the other side if you put in the work a different hopefully stronger yeah person and I love too when you mentioned crying and losing electrolytes I'm just I keep thinking about that when you mentioned that when you got the text like you started crying with your family members and it reminded me from something that you said at the very beginning of the podcast with coconut water. And you mentioned a minute ago putting berries in there, but I never thought about replenishing my electrolytes from crying. Right. Ever. Yeah. I don't think I've ever, ever, ever heard that. <laughs> and so I wanted to say it again for the people in the back, because uh, I know you mentioned it and I thought, okay, that's that's genius. Is We need water anyway, obviously, for survival, but just making sure that we go that extra mile, especially if we've been crying a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, stress can be really dehydrating. And, and, you know, I wouldn't only drink coconut water as a replacement for water. I would just supplement. But I think even also like a sprinkle of salt in your water can help with that balance as well. And I mean, our salt levels in our body change when we are under stress and it can be very, very dehydrating. And sometimes we crave salt. There's actually science that shows that there's benefits to craving salt when your body is stressed. So that's another thing is really checking in with your appetite and what it's doing and honoring that as much as possible. I normally have a raging sweet tooth, but when I'm grieving, I don't want sweet anything except for maybe some fruit. I want salt. And um, so finding a way to kind of to honor that, allow that without going too far into dehydrating your, yourself. You're going to be on Outweigh this Saturday, which is A Life Without Disordered Eating Outweighs Everything. That's what that podcast is dedicated to, helping people with food and, and body image issues. And we're going to talk about cravings when heartbroken and what some of those mean. And just to don't add more stress to yourself if you're having certain cravings and trying to restrict in that way. Cause like, Oh, so I think that's an appropriate conversation for outweigh. So if that's something that's resonating with you, you can listen this Saturday for that one. And before we go, I would love to do four things, gratitude with you and hear four things that you're currently thankful for. And I don't know if your cat is going to be a thing, but one of the best decisions that my family made in the last year and a half is getting our cat. Cats are amazing. The, the moments that I have been the in the most emotional pain, my cat has, she doesn't do it that often, but she will, one, she'll start like gagging, which is really weird. I think it's like she feels my, my stress, but she will basically like starfish on my body, like a, or a sort of like flying squirrel and try to like spread out as much as possible and like touch as much of my body as she can. And I think she's trying to regulate my heartbeat because it's usually when my anxiety is absolutely through the roof. So yeah, I, I think that's really, really interesting. No, I mean, there's so many things that I'm grateful for. I would say the first thing that comes to mind is, has been my family's support. I mean, I'll just mention really quickly, I was living in an apartment that got super noisy. It caused me to have some major sleep and anxiety issues being in 
a very out of control noise environment. So I moved in with my parents while I am figuring out where I'm going to live next. And I'm so, so thankful for their support and allowing me to do that at 37 and just being able to connect with them and have that time is really, really precious. So I've been super thankful for that and that they let me bring my cat, who is definitely the next on my list. I mean, my, I am such a crazy cat lady and I have, uh, I'm very proud of that. I know. I sent you something. I saw an ad for this cat carrier thing that you attached to yourself. And when, of course, when I saw it, I thought of you and I sent it to you and you were like, oh, I've had that in my Amazon cart for a week. It's, <laughs> it's literally been on, it's been in my cart and I, I, I go back and forth almost every day. I feel like me sending that to you as a sign, you should get I it. I think I should. Cause yeah. the thing is, I think she would actually, I think she would sit in it. Like, I don't think every cat would, but I actually think she would probably sit in it. So I may do that, but I'm always like, I'm, of course I'm on like cat talk, you you know, I always end up on the the, tick, the cat side of TikTok. And there's all sorts of things that I'm interested, like the baby carriers and all of that that I've thought about doing. So that's definitely one of them. I'm very grateful for my new, this is a small pleasure for my new Stanley water bottle, which I've wanted for a really long time. And I finally got one. And it really does bring me so much joy because this is about the amount of water. It's like 40 ounces that I like to drink first thing in the morning to feel best throughout the day. I have trouble sleeping when I hydrate within like three hours of bedtime. So I try to drink at least 40 ounces in the first half of the day, and it makes it easier for me to sleep. Just FYI. Um, Interesting. The last thing I was going to say that is a, is a little luxury that I am really grateful that I can do is the infrared sauna. That's something that I have started going to pure sweat over in 12 South. I've been doing that now for about six months. I think it helps with my mental health. I think it's really helpful during the winter. I think that it is really healing just for sweating things out you know, it's one hour of the day, especially if you're a parent, that's you time. You know, the service there is lovely. Like the people are so kind and friendly. So you feel very nourished inside and out. So for me, there's a lot that I would give up before I would give up my <laughs> sauna membership. So I'm so grateful every time I'm there. I'm like, this is just such a great little luxury. And, and I love it. That's how I feel with cryotherapy. And it's three minutes. I and mean, you look forward to it. I do. I look, look forward to three minutes in a box with <laughs> nothing else around me, which one of the, the Pure Sweat and Float is a franchise and mm -hmm. the Brentwood and Cool Springs location. My friend Meredith owns them and she came on the podcast and was talking about the benefits of the red light, infrared saunas and floating. So float therapy as well. So some of the stuff, it might not, depending on where you live in the country, this stuff might not be available in your town, but it could be something if you do some research and these sort of things are available in your town that, you know, if you're giving, if anybody says, hey, what do you want for your birthday? Or, hey, is there anything I can do for you? Or, hey, I'd love to get you a gift card to wherever. Be like, oh, I'm, I'd like to try this type of therapy or this type of therapy, the red light or the the floating or the cryo and just give yourself a little treat in that way. Yeah. I mean, I'm doing the same thing with my budget as I'm hopefully going into buying a house, doing the budgeting because even, even on a really tight budget, often there is something that we're doing regularly that we actually could give up for something that would be more nourishing for us. So that's just something to consider if you're going through a difficult time because it's twofold. One, you get to do something that feels really healing and cozy and inviting and you look forward to it. But again, it's a pattern interrupt. So when we are in pain, creating new patterns for our brain through creating new patterns in our life can be awesome for moving forward with your life. So just 
switching things up, just rearranging furniture. If you happen to have two sets of bedding, you could swap your bedding. Yeah. Making things look different in your home or even doing a spring cleaning or a winter cleaning or whatever. Anything that you can do that's like, this is wholly mine and it looks different and it feels different than before. Mm -hmm. Love that. And thank you for sharing four things that you're thankful for and for coming on and sharing with us this new direction that you're going. I love it. And I'm so happy for you. And I can tell that you're extremely passionate about it. So any of your clients are lucky to have you as someone that's coming alongside them during a very, very, very difficult time. And for anybody that's going through something hard alone, Loralee reminded us in this episode is you're not alone. Just know that there's other people out there and there is higher power. There is other things you can tap into. There are so many available resources online. Like I even think of your Instagram as such an encouragement. And I know you've got the eBooks and you have courses and if people can invest in that stuff, great, amazing. But there are tools out there too, that if you're financially in a place where you just can't even imagine adding another expense, that would actually lead to more stress. There's so many tools and resources online and your Instagram is one of them. So I love following you. Um, Where can people find you? So my website is llbalanced.com and that's where you can get all the information and all the different offerings that I have. And then my Instagram is lauraleebalanced and hang out with me over there and message me. And yes, that's, that's exactly right. You're not alone. And I promise that what you're experiencing right now feels like eternal, but uh, it will get better. There's there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. So, so true. And I'm at Radio Amy on Instagram and you can click the link tree in my bio or go to radioamy.com for links to our Four Things Gratitude Journal, for details about the live Four Things podcast shows in Nashville at the end of March, along with everything that you need to know about the super fun happy hour pop-up shop for Haiti that we have planned for that same weekend. It's going to be in a spa, pimp and joy, four things flash sale with all proceeds going to the orphanage where I adopted Stevenson and Stashira from. So hope y'all can come if you are in Nashville or you're going to be visiting that weekend. And I hope y'all are having the day that you need to have. Laura Lee and I will see you here again on Saturday for Outway. Last summer, the best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, They have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. All right, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can really make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through things. Now, BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp.com. 
Hey, it's Amy here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. That peace of mind means so, so much for these families. So join me in helping St. Jude in this fight. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. 